Praise God. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Let's just thank him just a moment. Praise God. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Well, I think it is wonderful to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I'd rather be here than the best hospital in all the world. That got you there. Amen. It's an awe on how you look at it. Amen. I'm so thankful for the touch of the Lord, thankful for his provisions and protection. Where would we be without the Lord? Amen. If you have your Bibles, the book of Exodus chapter 25 and then Psalms chapter 85. And uh, it's an honor to be here again on this Sunday morning. Looking forward to what God is going to do here today. And then anticipating uh, what the Lord is expecting of us uh, tonight in Jesus' name. Praise God. I give honor to a bishop and pastor. Give honor to this great church. Uh, give honor to the rights and all these great men on this platform. What a what a unique team. Amen. What a great team. Praise God. You're blessed. Praise God. Exodus chapter 25 and uh, verse number 16. And thou shalt put into the ark uh, the testimony which I shall give thee. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold of beaten work. Thou or shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherub on the one end, and the other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall you make the cherubim on the two ends thereof. And the cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And their faces shall look one to another toward the mercy seat, shall the faces of the cherubim be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there, would you say it with me? And there I will meet with thee. And I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee concerning or give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And he continues on the construction of what would be the tabernacle. If you have your Bibles, and we'll just flip over there, 85, fifth chapter of the book of Psalms, Psalms 85. Lord... Thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin, Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. <clears throat> Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Verse number four, turn us, O God, our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us Forever, wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord. Grant us thy salvation. 
Verse number 8. I will hear what God the Lord shall speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and our land shall yield that which is good. Are you with me? Truth shall spring out of the earth. Righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. I want you to just hold that passage of Scripture and go back with me to Exodus chapter 25. This is where we will begin today on the construction of that great piece of furniture. It is in the 25th chapter, that first verse, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that it giveth it willingly. With his heart shall you take my offering. There is a great principle in this passage of Scripture that I want to talk to you about today. If you're visiting for the first time, welcome to an apostolic church. If you are here today and you have yet to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, before this day is over, you're going to get the chance to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Just, just, just saying it, declaring it so you know exactly where we're going. If you are sick in body today, before we're done here, the prayer of faith is going to go forth, and I believe God is going to heal your body. We've not come to have dead church. We've come to be apostolic today. I concur with everything Pastor Wright said. We are apostolic people even on Sunday mornings, pre-Christmas holiday. Matter of fact, if there's ever a time to have apostolic church, it ought to be in the month of December. Clap your hands and give the Lord great praise. Father, we love you today. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I want to run as quickly as I can this morning. I want to be very clear today. I believe that there are great principles throughout the Word of God that are a must, that are a mandate for the North American last hour church to comprehend with a greater clarity than she has ever comprehended anything before. I am steadfast. I am immovable. I am always abounding on the revelation of the wonderful name of Jesus. I am steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding on the death, the burial, and the resurrection. But there is a part about heaven and getting to heaven and the prerequisites to going to heaven that I think that man in this modern moment has absolutely annihilated. They have abused. And that is the subject of God's mercy upon the world. God's mercy in the world. It is not a license to do what you want. It is not just something that was given to cover at all cost or any cost or for no reason at all. But yet James, that writer in the New Testament said that mercy and grace has been given to us that it would teach us. Would you say that with me? Teach us that it would teach us to abstain from. So with the revelation of mercy and grace comes the responsibility to mercy and grace. I am thankful today for the mercy of God. 
Okay, I'll do it again. I am so grateful today of God's mercy upon my life. Had it not been for God's mercy, where would we be today? I'm not just trying to get you to clap your hands or make a joyful noise for any or all reasons. But yet, at the same time, oh God, don't ever let us forget that we are commanded to make a joyful noise. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There is a responsibility that was given to us when we became indebted to the giver of mercy. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I am so thankful today that mercy was given to me. I am so grateful today that mercy was extended to me out of the billions in the world. Today, God gave me Would you do some more of that? Just give God thanks today. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Had it not been for your amazing saving grace. Christianity today wants to make a mockery of it. Christianity today, preachers in pulpits all over the world want to make a mockery of it. They want to downplay how awesomely glorious it really is. But mercy was not cheap. Mercy was not cheap. Mercy cost everything. Mercy cost the Lord of glory a horrendous amount of pain. Matter of fact, the Bible lets us to know that He left the splendor, the glory of the heavenlies. And he robed himself in flesh. He was justified. He was seen of men and of angels. He walked among us. But that is not the totality of it. It also led him to Calvary. It led him to a cross. It led him to a whipping post. It led him to a borrowed tomb. All of that. All of that to ensure that when we stumble and when we fall and when we make mistakes... And when sin thinks it has conquered us at our worst and or our best, that the mercy of an almighty God can reach as far down as is necessary. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think that we have allowed the charismatics or this modern world of Christianity to tamper with something that is so glorious to the apostolic church. I think that we have allowed this present world to downplay how beautiful mercy really is. It found me when I was broke. It found me when I was destitute. It found me when I was hopeless and helpless. It found me when I was going to hell. It found me when I was lost without hope. But mercy built the bridge. Mercy picked me up. Mercy cleaned me up. Mercy stood me up. Mercy is building me. Mercy is protecting and providing. Come on, congregation. You must not become, you must not become, you must not become like the rest of the world and not be able to be moved by the thought of God's incredible mercy. Hallelujah. Mercy, mercy, mercy. But before 
there was mercy. There was the law. Before men could run boldly into the throne of grace, there was law. Before men could make atonement, before men could whisper the name of Jesus, there was the law. And the law was given to man trying to find restoration, trying to rebuild the communion between God and man. And we pick up in this book of Exodus chapter 25. And the Holy Ghost is speaking to Moses and he's preparing the people. And he said, I want you to command the people to give me an offering. Tell them not to come and give if they are begrudging. Tell them to keep their offering if they don't want to do it out of a willing heart. Please hear me today. It all started out of a willing heart. The things that God used to build the house of law. The thing that God used to set upon with mercy. It began out of a heart that was willing to give. If God is going to change you today, sir. If God is going to change your world today, ma'am. It's got to start with a heart change. You don't have to get it all right to get God. But you do have to get God to get it all right. God is not interested in what you can give Him. God is interested in are you willing to give Him. God is looking throughout this congregation today. And He's looking into your heart and my life. And He's looking for a heart that says... I may not have it right today. I may not be perfect right now. But if there is a God in heaven, and if there is a Savior sits on the throne, if you would touch my life, if you could touch my world, I want, come on congregation, I'm reaching for the unsaved today. I'm reaching for the lukewarm today. I'm reaching for people that have forgotten the glory of mercy. forget it started out of a willing heart and he began to speak unto them and he says I want you to make me an ark and I want it to be two cubits and a half in length a cubit and a half in breadth a cubit and a half in height I want you to overlay it I'm reading verse 11 of 25 I want you to overlay it with gold with pure gold I want it within and without shall you overlay it you shall make upon it a crown of gold round about. And you shall cast four rings of gold for it. And put them in the four corners thereof. And two rings on the one side. Two rings on the other side. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood. And overlay them with gold. I know it's redundant but I need to prove a point today. Verse 14. And thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the side of the ark. That the ark may be born with them. And the staves shall be rings of the ark, that they shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt put the ark, the testimony that I shall give thee. And thou shalt make a mercy seat. And then my text. He then instructs Moses on how to build the mercy seat. My point is simple here today. That if the place that God chooses to dwell means nothing to him. Why did he put such specific, such, such dynamic such minute details in the constructing of this box made with wood. 
But God said, anywhere that I'm going to live, anywhere that I'm going to dwell, I want to look at that tabernacle. I want to make sure that tabernacle's right. Come on, congregation. Hallelujah. And so the Lord instructs Moses. He said, I want you to build it. I don't want you to throw this together. I want it to be delicately designed. I want you to take your time with this box. You've got to focus on everything that I'm telling you. Yes, we could just throw a box together. Yes, I could let you build it by your design, but that's not my will. That's not what I choose. And the Lord said, I want it this long. I want it this high. I want it this wide. I want it pitched within and without. I want rings on the outside. I want staves to be in those rings. I never want those staves to come out of those rings. I want it just like I'm telling you. Because in that ark will dwell the pot, the rod, and my law. What I am, what I've done, and my word will dwell in that box. Hear me, congregation. The law of God, it was heavy in those days. The law of God would find you, and it would convict you, and it would condemn you, and it would crucify you. The law of God came without apology. It came without instruction manual so to speak it just came and made the field as level as it could but men couldn't live under that somebody help me today men couldn't live under the law men could not survive under the law I look back in that Old Testament and oh Pastor Wright if I've got anything to be thankful for today it's the fact that I don't live then You can come to church and act like it's not important to you, but I'm so glad I am in this dispensation. You can act sanctified and sanctimonious if you want to, but I, I remember a few times back talking to my mom and dad. I remember a few things in my teenage years that I wished I didn't remember. And had I lived then, the Bible says that if you back talk your mom and dad, you pick up stones and you take them to the city limits and you stone them. That the root of that be not found in Israel. Listen to me. You can sit here and act like you deserve this if you want to. But I know better. None of us deserve this moment. None of us has earned this right. Come on, congregation. Out of six billion people alive in the world today, and you found mercy? You didn't find mercy. Mercy found you. You didn't find grace. Grace found you. It found you when you were dirty. It found you when you were destitute. It found you when you were messed up. And He loved you. And He cleansed you. Hallelujah. I want you to give them the law, the law that I shall give you, and they're going to live by it, and they'll die by it. They'll be blessed by it, or they'll be cursed by it. He that abideth in it, he that walks in it, he that is obedient to it, it will be a blessing to him. But the moment you violate my law, my law also becomes judge and jury. It will condemn you. It will kill you if you don't believe me. Ask 
Achan. Ask those Old Testament characters that disobeyed the law of God. And the law of God found them. And the law of God convicted them. Ask the man after God's own heart. After he stole a man's wife. After he committed adultery with her. And had him killed. Ask the man after God's own heart. If the law isn't as good for the goose as it is for the gander. who you are it doesn't matter your place it doesn't matter your color of skin it doesn't matter how much money you got when the law of God finds you it'll pick you up right there it'll look you right in your eyes and it'll say you have been disobedient you have violated my law you are disobedient come on Congress. I know we don't like this kind of preaching but the law still matters today few years ago a little snot nosed brat in the church popped off to his mom and dad and I looked at him and I said you ought to thank God right now you're not alive in those days and he was just old enough to ask what those days was and I said in the Old Testament I said because I'd get the right and the privilege to kill you dead where you stand you snot nosed brat a little tough but wait a minute that's exactly how it was See, see, this is why preachers have to work on getting God's people to respond accordingly. Because we have taken for granted the greatest gift given to us. It's okay. You can wait on me. The law demanded justification. The law demanded execution. You could not step outside the law. Ask Saul. Ask David. Ask them great Old Testament characters that walked under the burden of the law. The law said if you were accused of adultery. The law said if they were accused of adultery that they could bring her unto the high priest. That the high priest could mix a potion and she would drink the potion. And if she was lying about the act, that the potion that she drank would swell her belly and rot her thighs. And her husband could release. Are you listening to me? See, we don't look in Leviticus because Leviticus is that book that says thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt. But the Old Testament church lived under that. They died by it and they lived according to it. It became to them the banner, the beacon of all their hope. But if they stumbled and if they messed up, the law was so quick, truth was so quick to jump on them and say, you have messed up. You deserve nothing short but judgment upon you. And that, my brothers and sisters, is what we look like in the Old Testament. Bring it home. How many's ever back talk your mom and dad? You did. You did. How many's ever sinned? You did. We don't even have to get into the gory details of sin. If you sin, you're dead. That's what the law said. Adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, jealousy, backbiting, strife, and envies. Don't be self-righteous. Admit it. That's all of us. That's us. 
The law said you're dead. Boy, what a mantle. What a burden. And this is the 25th chapter of the book of Exodus. This is what it looks like when God spoke to Moses and said, Take me an ark and build me an ark. We're going to call it the Ark of the Covenant. And there, there in that ark, I'm going to place the pot of manna, the rod that will bud. I'm going to place my, my law, my testimony. And it is from there, you've got to hear me, it is from there that I will meet with you. I will commune with you. You will hear from me from that place. But it was in closer reading of this unique text that one simple statement just blew my mind. One simple statement gave me hope beyond hope. And it was in that 21st chapter or 21st verse. And he says, and thou shalt put the mercy seat. Say it with me. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above, upon the ark. Watch me. He looked at Moses and he said, in the ark, I want my law. I want the commandments. I want what the people must live by. It doesn't matter how severe it is. It doesn't matter how hard it is to live. I want it there. And then he tells Moses, he says, but I'm going to give my people hope. I'm going to put upon the ark, above upon, not just above or not just upon. But he was redundant. He said, above and upon the ark of the covenant, I'm going to place, dear God, help me preach that. I'm going to place a mercy seat. And there's where I'm going to sit. I will not void my law, but I want to set into motion that alongside of my law, alongside of what I expect of my people, that I am a God that wants to forgive. I'm a God that wants to heal. I'm a God that wants... Hallelujah. Oh Lord, oh Lord, thou hast been favorable, 85 of Psalms. Thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob and David after Babylonian captivity. David has led God's people, or God's people are back after Babylonian captivity. David is now on the throne and he's trying to reestablish, he's trying to rebuild, he's trying to, he's trying to have hope. And he says, Are you forever? Are you always going to be angry with us? Are you always going to remind us of our past? Do we forever live for you looking over our shoulders? Wondering if yesterday is going to catch up with us. I want to preach to some folk here today now. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost that God does not intend for you to live the rest of your life looking over your shoulder. God did not design salvation for you to have to look back and wonder if what I did yesterday is going to catch up with me today. But he built this salvation. He built the cross. He designed death, burial, and resurrection to take care of past, to take care of the present, and to take care of the future. He said old things are passed away. He said all things are passed away. He said all things are passed away. And everything, come on congregation, and everything becomes new. You don't have to clap your hands, but don't disregard those of us that feel like we must because we remember what we did. We remember where we were. And we're here today thanking God that our past is not greater than our future.
be angry with us. Turn us, oh God. Turn us. Wilt thou revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Grant us thy salvation. But it is the eighth verse of Psalms 85. If you could just leave it up there. It is the eighth verse of Psalms 85 that even the scholars say that there became a prophetic voice in the mouth of David that he spoke not to the past of Israel, but he spoke to the future of Israel when he said, I will hear what God the Lord will speak for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not again turn to folly. In other words, we need to learn from our past. Don't go back to where you've come from. Now, I know I've bored some of you with a whole lot of Bible here today, but let me talk to you here a minute. Don't go back to what you've come out of. You may not be where you want to go, but thank God you're not where you used to be. You may not be as perfect as you look around and see others, but thank God you're not what you used to be. You may not be where and what, but thank God when you look back, you see a marked difference. Thank God I don't go where I used to go. Thank God I don't do what I used to do. Thank God I don't sound like I used to sound. No, I'm not perfect. No, 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 I'm not perfect. Hear me. No, I'm not perfect, but I serve a perfect God. No, I'm not perfect, but I'm on my way to a perfect place. No, I'm not perfect. But I'm thankful for every ounce of mercy, every ounce of grace. Throw your hands up, lift your voice, and give God thanks for mercy. Turn us again. Verse 8, turn us again. And now that he has prayed the prayer, he speaks prophetically, I now will hear what the Lord will speak. Then verse number 9, he says, God, you, your salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. It was a disastrous moment. There was no glory at that moment. But he began to prophetically speak of a futuristic moment. David became eye level with the tunnel of time and he looked ahead and the words that you're fixing to hear today were spoken out of the mouth of that man, not to the present moment, but in typology of God's eternal plan. He says, surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy, would you say it with me? Mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. Two opposing forces in the Old Testament you had truth since the beginning. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was from the beginning. It was truth that judged Cain and Abel. It was truth that judged Adam and Eve. It was truth that dealt with the prophets. It was truth that dealt with the nations. You have sinned and I will judge you accordingly. It was sin that took Achan and stoned him with stones and then burnt him with fire. It was truth that dealt with Esther and Achan. It was truth throughout the Old Testament. But mercy, 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 mercy was locked away. Mercy was behind a veil. Mercy was sitting on the throne. Mercy was sitting on the seat. But it wasn't because she didn't want to. It was because she was not allowed to at that present moment. 
Every time Achan stumbled, every thought that crossed Saul's mind, mercy shuddered and she said, I know I can deal with that. I know I can forgive that. I know I can justify that. But I can't. I'm locked. I'm housed. I'm held in this moment. The truth roamed. Truth was. Hear me today. This was a prophetic moment from David to the church. He said, mercy and truth are Let me tell you, the only time mercy and truth met was once a year when that high priest would walk in there and he would bring the atonement for a nation. And it was truth that judged the nation. And it was mercy that extended the blanket of covering. But it was once a year. You got to get this this morning, sir. It was once a year. It was rare. It was unique. It was not a guarantee. It depended on the heart of the people. It depended on the attitude of the sacrifices. It depended on how humble they were, how sincere they were. And truth would judge them. Truth would hold them accountable. Let me tell you something here today. Don't sit there and think that I'm doing away with truth. Sir and ma'am, if you're a drug addict, if you're an alcoholic, if you're a liar, a cheater, a thief, if you are dishonorable and dishonest, you are on your way to a devil's hell as fast as hell can get you there. There is nothing short of God's grace that can save you from the devil's hell. Come on, congregation. There's nothing. You, 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 you got an Adamic nature. You, 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 you cannot like what I'm saying. That's okay, but you got to hear it. You have an Adamic nature, and you left alone. You're on your way as fast as you can go to hell. You can't comprehend how fast you're spiraling toward a devil's hell right now. You don't understand how, how, how tenastic the devil is on getting you to join him in hell. And truth is not your friend right now. Truth will look at you and say, you are damnable. You are ugly. You, you are out of alignment. You are... Come on, congregation. You are not what I want. You are not what I design. You are not what I... Come on. It's fact, but it's truth. It's fact, but it's truth. But thank God. I say thank God. Thank God. Thank God. I'm not dealing with just truth. Thank God when truth found me. Thank God when truth... Because truth was right. I was a liar. I was miserable. I was lost. I was undone. But thank God, mercy and truth met together. And when truth got done, mercy stepped in and said, You're guilty of all the charges, but I have come that you might have life. Truth. Truth was an ugly thing. Truth was a, was a heavy thing. Truth binds people, and when they are, truth makes you fess up. Truth makes you acknowledge who you are. And if you lived in the Old Testament, that's as far as you could get. With the hopes that in all those people, God would love you enough to put your sins in with everybody else's sins and push them ahead one more year. But David said, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth. And righteousness shall look down from heaven. Where did that happen? Show me the day where mercy and truth met. 400 dark years of silence. 
400 dark years. Leave that verse up there for me. Thank you. 400 years of nothingness. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, angels begin to sing. Hark the herald angels sing. Shepherds got to journeying. Wise men got to looking. People brought gifts and a cry in a Bethlehem's manger. But he didn't come looking like mercy. He didn't come dressed like mercy. He came like truth. Yes, he was. Because truth was still behind the veil. Truth or mercy was behind the veil. Mercy was still locked where she could not prevail without truth. And all of a sudden, this child called truth begins to grow. And the first thing that's ever recorded of him saying, Suffer it be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And all of a sudden, every demon of hell began to tremble. Lucifer himself jumped off the throne and said, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I've heard that somewhere before. I heard somebody say that when mercy and truth would meet, that righteousness would go before him and it put hell on alert. It sounded an alarm in hell. Prophecy is on its way. The ultimate of ultimates is on its way. Mercy and truth are fixing to meet. Truth walked the pages. Truth looked at the woman and says, You are guilty. You are as guilty as they said. But where are now thine accusers? Go and sin no more. Huh? Huh? How about when he started open blinded eyes and unstopped deaf ears and said, I came not to do away with, but I come to fulfill it all. I didn't come to know the law. I am the fulfillment of the law. I'm trying to preach a, I'm trying to preach an evangelistic sermon here today, but oh God, do I want to go left and hard left right now. Jesus began to preach. I didn't come to annul it. I didn't come to void it. I didn't come to abort it. I am the complete fulfillment of it. Matter of fact, I am not just equal to it, but in some areas, I'm greater than it. And the people got heavier and the people got more. What do you mean? Not equal to, but greater than. Yeah. For in the Old Testament, if you committed adultery to the woman, you had to commit the act physically. But in my kingdom, if you look on her and lust. <laughs> See? You've committed adultery already in your heart. Some things were not just equal to, but some things were greater than. And truth walked into the synagogues. One of, the, one of the things, and I, I'm going to segue here, but one of the things that I marvel at is when they brought that chick to Jesus. They brought her in the synagogue. Right? In the temple. Synagogue, sorry. And I, I know, I know, we don't, we don't get this, but they brought her in the synagogue. And the Bible says they brought her and said, Master, we have caught her in adultery. According to the law, we are her accusers. And we have brought her to you. Judge her now. And the Bible says that Jesus, help me, he what? He rode in the dirt. What was dirt doing in the synagogue?
I'll let you figure that one out. It wasn't a dirt floor. It was man-made, man-constructed. It was probably marble. It was to be swept clean. It was to, but, 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 but when you have people operating like that, you're always going to have dirty temples. And so the reason why they disappeared is he was able to write dirt. He was able to write in the dirt. I can be convinced that it's not so much what he wrote, but it was how he wrote it. Where he wrote it. Truth. Truth. Truth will find you. Truth will wake you up in the middle of the night and make you sit on the edge of your bed while she or he's not awake. And truth will try to reason with you. Truth will catch you going to work and you'll catch your, you'll catch your visage in the rearview mirror and truth will start speaking to you. Truth will say, if you don't fix your life, I'm going to kill you. If, if you don't, if you, you don't deserve me. You're not worthy of me. You violate my law 50 million times a day. You are unworthy. You're rotten. You are not what I died for. Come on, that's truth. I, really? We really think when God found us, we were what he wanted us to be when he found us? That's truth. Truth will find an alcoholic and he'll say, you reek with that. You have messed up your life. You have messed up your family. You have been a common abuser of them. They don't trust you. They don't love you. They wish you dead. Some of you sanctified folk been sanctified so long, you forgot what it sounded like for somebody to reach for a sinner. You're not what God designed you to be. And that's the harsh reality of truth. But David, when he talked about the restoration of the power of people of God, he looked ahead to a day. He said, there's going to come a moment when mercy and truth are going to meet together. Righteousness and peace are going to kiss each other. Truth's going to spring out of the earth and the land's going to yield something good. And truth begin to walk. Truth is the one that looked at his mother and says, Mother, my time is not yet. Leave me alone. I've not come to do this. Truth was the one that called the disciples. Truth is the one that taught in the synagogues. Truth is the one that preached on the mountain. Truth fed the multitudes. Truth told them, I am greater than. You say, you say. That was truth talking. Truth used parables. Truth tried to pull a heavenly meaning down using an earthly example. Truth tried to explain what principles were and, 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 and the law of God really was all about. Truth tried to instill them love. Come on, folks. And truth brought judgment. Truth brought reality to the moment. And then the devils grabbed truth and the devils whipped truth. And the devils bound truth. And the devils hammered truth's hands and truth's feet. And the devils put truth on a cross and suspended him between heaven and earth. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, Jesus said, it is finished. He did not say, I am finished. He did not say, we are finished. He said, it is finished. He come to do an it. He came with a purpose to fulfill it. It shall set us. Boy, it got me. It shall set us in the way of his steps. 
and righteousness shall look down from heaven and the land's going to yield something. And when that first drop of his blood hit the earth, when that first pebble of blood hit the earth, it sent a shudder down through the bowels of the earth up to my God in heaven. It ricocheted off of hell itself and hit the heavens and unleashed something. And the Bible says that the sun became darkened and the earth began to shake and something that was in the temple and the mercy that set upon the mercy seat for the first time in her life could get off that seat and walk where truth walked and and now Everywhere truth walks, mercy walks with him. Now every time truth speaks, mercy is the balancing. Mercy jumped off that seat. She ran to that cross and somehow even in what was perceived to be death and I'm done, truth looked down and said, I've waited on you. I've built up to this moment my law in what it could not do now is made perfect. It was not an incomplete law in the Old Testament. It just needed the New Testament. It just needed the unification of dispensations to become the total package of what I've always perceived. And now truth has not changed. Truth is still as real and prevailing as it ever was. But equal to truth sets mercy. Mercy and truth have kissed each other. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And as the product of that great union, just a few days later, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one court in one place, and suddenly there come a sound from heaven, it's a rushing mighty wind to fill all the house where they were sitting. And like any good union, there are children born of that. And because mercy and truth met together, and truth sprung up out of the earth. Remember that third day? Truth sprung up out of the earth. Truth said, you thought you killed me, but you didn't. Because no matter what you do, you can't stop truth. I want you to listen to me, sir, ma'am. Your only hope is to find mercy. Because truth deals with you today, and it will be truth that judges you on that great eternal judgment. It will be truth that lays out the charges. It will be truth that brings character witnesses against you. You're going to lose that. You have no hope of winning that day if you stand with just truth. But if you will allow mercy, if you will allow God's grace into your life this morning, 
if you will allow God to wash and cleanse, if you will allow God to fix, if you will allow God a moment in your life, along with truth, mercy is going to step in there and say, whenever you're done bringing charges, whenever you've proved your point, whenever you've made real of the life, I want a chance to touch it. Because when I'm done with it, I'm going to paint it all red. I'm going to remind you that you gave your life to whomsoever. Am I not right? Mercy is going to step in and say, you said whomsoever would, let them come. You said you loved the world so much that you gave all. You gave mercy becomes your advocate. Mercy, mercy becomes your attorney. Mercy becomes the one that says you can't kill him because I'm here now. You can't do that because I'm here now. I won't let you do that because I'm here now. That's why I started this sermon this morning by saying, thank God for mercy. Mercy. Stand to your feet. Lift your hands and your voices. You're guilty and you know it. Don't look at me. Just close your eyes a minute. I'm not just talking to visitors here today. I just realized I'm talking to some church folk. You're as guilty as guilty could be. You, you, you reek of sin. You walk like sin. You talk like sin. You look like sin. Sin has had a party in your life. Sin has ravaged you. And now, truth has walked into your life. And truth is saying, you're broke. You're messed up. You are without. You have no hope. If Jesus Christ would come right now, you don't have a chance of making heaven. That ought to scare you, sir. If the rapture of the church takes place right now, you're lost on your way to a devil's hell. That ought to, that ought to terrify somebody here today. Truth, truth is pecking you on the shoulder. Truth is saying, I caught you. Truth is bringing up life's video screen and it's, it's showing you facts. You did it. You're as guilty as anybody's ever been. You're as guilty as anybody. Yes, you are. You feel that weight? That's what we live under. You feel that heaviness? That's what we walk under. That's what you go to work under. That's what you go to sleep under. That's what you get up under. That weight of sin. And there's so much that I could preach what Paul said about the law and sin. Let me summarize. Everything truth is telling you is right. And if you don't fix it, you die lost. And if you die lost, you go to a devil's hell. But now that truth has had its moment, let me tell you something. Mercy. Mercy says, yep, you did it. Mercy says, yep, you're guilty. Mercy says, yep, he don't have to. Mercy says, you don't deserve this. But mercy said, the beautiful thing about me is I'll go wherever I'm asked to go. I'll cover whatever I'm asked to cover. I hold no judgment.
How many hears the voice of truth today? How many feels the effect of truth, that heaviness, that weight, that thing that drives you? Would you lift your other hand now and would you allow mercy? Would you allow mercy? We're fixing to make an altar call here and we're going to ask people to come that need mercy for the first time. Mercy. You feel that, sir? You feel that, man? That's mercy. The first people that I want to call are altar workers. I need altar workers first. I need people experienced in helping people pray through to the Holy Ghost. I want altar workers to come. Come on, altar workers. Mercy, 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 mercy. Mercy. Come in, altar workers. I want you to stand across the front of this church. Come in here. I want you to turn around. I want you to look. Stage is set. Table set. If you need mercy, come. Come. You ought to be running right now. You ought to already be out of the pew. You ought to already be running. Come on. You need mercy. Come. Come on. You don't want truth to judge you today. You don't want just truth. Thank you. Come on. There's some folk in the back. Come on, please. 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 Come on. Please. Hey, hey, come on. Come on. Hurry. Hurry. You don't want truth judging you. You don't want truth alone. You can't handle truth alone. Truth. You can't handle it. Truth. It's too heavy. It's too heavy. Thank you. Keep coming. I know you're thinking about it. I know you're going to weigh this out. I know the truth. I want this whole church to lift your hands and voices. This whole church lift your hands and voices. We need an altar call of sinners today. We need an altar call of people who need God today. We need an altar call of people that are seeking mercy today. There's some folk way in the back. There's some folk over to my right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. We're waiting on you. We're not, we're not, we're going to hold this until you come. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You don't want the false accuser. You don't want the false accuser. You don't want to live life without God. You do not want to live life in the hands of the law. You do not want to live life in the hands of truth alone. You need mercy. Come on. We're not, we're not judging anybody. We're extending mercy. We've all been here. We're all fixing to come. Come on. Come on. Thank you for coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. You're here today and you're a saint of God in mercy. Mercy. You need a re-baptism of mercy. You need to get some things right with mercy. I want you to come. Come on. Come on. Thank you for coming. Come on. Come on. That's it. If somebody is standing next to you without God, if somebody is standing next to you without the Holy Ghost, if they are visiting, if they are your friend, you owe them. You owe them. You owe them. Reach over and grab their hands and say, I'll go with you if you'll come with me. I'll go with you. Just don't leave today. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Come on. Come on. Mercy's waiting on you. Come on. Mercy's waiting on you. Come on. You don't want to leave without mercy. You don't want to leave without mercy. 
Come on, sir. Come on. This is your moment. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. You know you want to. Don't worry about it. Come on. We're fixing all come. You don't want to leave. You don't want to leave. You do not want to leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. You don't want to go into eternity. You don't want to meet truth alone. You can't handle it. Come on. Let truth. That's it. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Come on, you got to pardon us. We're serious about this. We do not want you to face truth alone. We don't want you to face truth alone. We're offering you mercy today. We won't introduce you to the whole package. We won't introduce you to the other side. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. How about the rest of you in the congregation? Would you lift your hands and voices? And could you be the choir of heaven that thanks God for mercy today? Can you help us with the environment of this building right now? This is your moment. This is your that's it, congregation. The more thankful you are, the more thankful you are. The more thankful you are. Don't stop praying, prayer warriors. This is a Holy Ghost moment. I'm running I'm running. I'm running as fast as I can get there. I'm running as fast as I can get there. I can't make it without mercy. I can't live this life without mercy. Also, this is your moment. God's here for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. Oh God. I need mercy so bad today, God. Truth has just reminded me. Truth has brought up my yesterdays. Truth has found me. Truth has convicted me. But God, I need mercy, mercy, mercy. 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 
That's it with a stammering lip and new tongue will I speak through my people. Mercy, 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 mercy.